Chapter Twenty Three of The Hall in the Grove by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It was a wonderful meeting. All day long, throughout the streets and avenues of Chautauqua, there had been the bustle of preparation. The very air was full of something unusual. People went and came with important faces and hurried manner, as if now, indeed, the hour had arrived for which they had long been waiting. "'The Sunday school assembly must be an important affair,' Effie Butler said, laughing. "'Everybody one meets today is full of it. Who has heard the Chautauqua bells? Is there anything very wonderful about them? I think I must have heard it remarked at least a dozen times today that they were going to ring tonight.' It chanced that Mr. Masters was present when this question was asked. He had come in to see Robert Fenton about some scheme dear to that young fellow's heart, and now turned from him laughing. Yes, he said, they are wonderful bells. There are none like them, I think, in all this country. What is there peculiar about them? Their power. They can be heard so far. I am not quite certain, but I think they sound now in every state of the Union, and their volume is increasing all the time. Oh, Mr. Masters, how can that possibly be? And while the others could not help laughing at her puzzled face, she said with pretty indignation, I believe you are making sport of me. You needn't think I believe a story as that. This was too much for Mr. Masters' gravity, and he went away laughing, leaving the puzzled Effie wondering over what he could possibly mean. And the bustle of preparation went on. Boats came and went all day, landing their burdens quietly, with less parade and music than on other days, because in more haste. The evening drew on. The early teas in tent and cottage were disposed of. Everywhere people were making ready to go to the opening of the assembly when, just as clocks and watches pointed to seven, the Chautauqua bells pealed forth on the quiet air, old Chautauquans, and indeed many new Chautauquans who had heard their echo from afar, paused for a moment in their hurried preparations, and exchanged delighted glances, or clasped hands in token of their joy in hearing the glad sounds. Still, there were those who, like Effie Butler, wondered what in the world people could mean, there was certainly nothing extraordinary about those bells. In the Fenton cottage it was Caroline, strange to say, who was tardy. Mrs. Fenton nearly lost patience. "'Do hurry, Caroline,' she said from the foot of the stairs. "'We are the last ones. Even Amy has gone.' "'I can't think why you are in such haste,' Caroline said, appearing at last with composed face." The first bell rang only a few minutes ago. There is nearly half an hour yet. Yes, but we wanted to get near the platform, you know, and the meeting is away down at the auditorium. At this point Mr. Masters passed the door. What, not gone yet? He said, halting and lifting his hat. I thought I was the last one. Then, Miss Raynor, I'll carry your camp chair. Shall we take camp chairs? asked Mrs. Fenton, halting doubtfully, while her husband folded the evening paper. Why, there will be plenty of room. What is the use in carrying chairs such a long distance? More comfortable, said Mr. Masters, with a mischievous gleam in his eyes, as he shouldered the article in question and took rapid strides forward. The avenues were nearly deserted. 
The night was somewhat cloudy, and a slight rain had been falling. "'What a pity it seems that the night is not clear,' said Caroline as they hurried on. "'A first meeting always starts off so much better with a good attendance. I suppose people will be afraid of rain to-night.' "'Possibly,' was her companion's brief reply. And Caroline looked at him inquiringly, wondering why his answers were so brief and his tone so peculiar to-night." on they hurried striking at last into simpson avenue caroline came to a sudden halt and gave an exclamation of delight away down the avenue as far as her eye could reach on either side was one blaze of light illuminated mottoes flags chinese lanterns flowers ribbons anything that could lend a glow of color to the bright scene had been displayed and the whole effect was such as she will remember all her life her taciturn companion stopped but a moment, however, for her to enjoy the scene, then hurried her on. They had lost sight of the Fentons, Mr. Masters having followed his own fancy in the way that he was leading Caroline, and Mr. Fenton having gone sturdily forward by the path he had first chosen. The result was that when they had reached the point from whence the great glowing auditorium was visible, they were quite alone. Here they stopped again, Caroline involuntarily, with an exclamation almost like dismay. Stretching before them away down the long line of seats that had always before been empty when she looked at them, were heads, 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 a perfect sea of heads. Chairs in the aisles, chairs at the sides, chairs even away back behind the last row of seats. People, people! Caroline had never in her life seen such a gathering for a full minute she stood transfixed looking down that hill on the throng then suddenly she said it is full the auditorium is actually full rather said mr masters that is a fact then the comical side of the whole matter rushed over him her composed and assured manner her certainty that there was no need for haste her pity bestowed on account of the weather and the supposed spareness of the company her amazed eyes as she gazed on the people, all were too much for one who was continually tempted toward the merry side of things. He threw back his head and indulged in a ringing laugh. It was suddenly hushed, however, for Caroline did not smile, and when he looked closely he discovered that her eyes were full of tears. "'You are used to crowds, I suppose,' she said apologetically, smiling now through her tears." but I never saw so many people together before, and I can hardly tell you how strangely this moves me. I know it will sound like a strange mixture of thoughts to your mind, but I can only think of these words. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number. A great company of people is a wonderful sight, he said gently. If he did not understand, at least he respected her tears. They made their way now as rapidly and silently as possible down the hill on the outskirts of the great throng. "'I am so sorry to have delayed Mrs. Fenton,' Caroline said remorsefully. "'I did not dream of such a scene as this. Where can we go? We might as well stand still as advance. There is no room anywhere.' "'Yes, there is,' he said, pushing forward. "'Come around to the back of the platform. I have some choir tickets.' They will admit us to the stand, and we can crowd this chair into some knot-hole in the trees. 
The first part of this plan, at least, by dint of systematic and persistent crowding, was carried out, and at last Caroline was seated on the right wing of the great platform, with leisure to look over the wonderful sea of heads stretching before her. Not long to look, either, for the moment of commencing had arrived, and directly those bells, whose sweetness had stolen into her heart, ceased pealing, Dr. Vincent appeared at the front of the platform, and announced the formal opening of the Seventh Sunday School Assembly. "'I could appreciate your tears now,' Mr. Masters said, leaning towards her suddenly, and his eyes were moist. It was during the rendering of the Vesper service, that wonderful Vesper service, so dear it is to the hearts of Chautauquans, that, as the majestic verses roll out from thousands of voices, like the sound of many waters, there are those who cannot keep back the rush of tears. Think of the perfected twilight, the brightly lighted grove, the inspiration that is always found in the sound of many voices, and then in imagination listen to words like these. Leader. The day goeth away. Congregation. The shadows of the evening are stretched out. Leader. Praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion. Congregation, and unto thee shall the vow be performed. Leader, thou makest the outgoings of the morning and evening to rejoice. Congregation, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud. Then there steals, like a benediction, the united voice of song, hushed to a melody that fits the words. Softly now the light of day Fades upon our side away Free from care, from labor free Lord, we would commune with thee I heard it first in seventy-four, murmured Mr. Masters during one of the organ interludes, and I have joined in it each year since. The verses grow on me. They stretch out their powerful arms in every direction as I join this multitude of voices. At that moment the leader's grand voice rang out, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. Then the congregation with full hearts responded, The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. And the beautiful answer came, The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. By this time the great assembly were ready to sing with heart and voice, Thus, when life's toilsome day is o'er, may its departing ray be calm in this impressive hour, and lead to endless day. Mr. Masters had no need to apologize to Caroline for his peculiar and tender interest in the Vesper service. He needed not to apologize to Caroline for his emotion. She was a new Chautauquan, it is true, but the place had already been so much to her, and promised so much in the future, and was so dear, that she felt her heart thrill strangely, almost wildly, with every mention of the name and every reference to those connected with it. "'It is different with you,' she had said to Mrs. Fenton once, in talking about her enthusiastic love for the circle. "'Your heart has a great many homes. You are rich.' Chautauqua to you is only something to take its appropriate place and receive its share of interest, but I feel like a little beggar girl who has just been adopted. 
Stronger and stronger grew this feeling on the evening of the seventh opening assembly, until it was a relief to her excited nerves to join with the crowd in laughter over the speaker who had just said, Last night Frank Beard told me if I spoke tonight, I must begin by saying what he said last year here. He began, Another year has rolled away. Said he, if you will only say that, you get the confidence of your audience at the outset, by telling facts. But I more than half suspect that I have stolen that dear brother's thunder, for I know he meant to begin that way himself. "'Isn't that Professor Holmes?' whispered Caroline, amid the outbursts of laughter. "'Yes. Did you think teaching Latin was the extent of his abilities?' said her companion, answering her look as well as her words." The fact is, a man who can teach Latin as well as he can, can do most anything else well. I'll tell you another thing that he can teach. When normal classes open, you must join his. If he doesn't make Bible history, chronology, or anything else that he undertakes to teach, clearer than it ever was before, I shall be disappointed. "'Isn't he a very unusual Latin teacher?' whispered Caroline again, going back to the subject during the musical interlude. "'He is a very unusual teacher,' Mr. Masters said, with a strong emphasis on the last word. "'He has the rare faculty of being able to make clear to others what he understands himself, and I believe he has in a high degree the still rarer virtue of not attempting to teach anything that he does not thoroughly understand.' Then the whispering ceased, for the magnificent choir on the platform was leading off in the Chautauqua song for 1877, and neither Caroline nor Mr. Masters could hold their voices from joining. When the day is high and clear, labor for the night is near. When the evening shadows fall, rest god watcheth over all when the mornings on thee shine bend to hear the voice divine hear thy lord with heart of praise i am with you all the days all the days thy strength to be all the days to comfort thee lead thee on and lift thee up bear thy burden share thy cup all the days to bless thine eyes with some glad and sweet surprise all the days from morn till eve all the days of earth and heaven this is the man we heard preach yesterday said mr masters as dr potts was introduced and caroline bobbed her head this way and that to try to get glimpses of the man whose words of the sabbath before still rang in her heart but dr potts in the pulpit on sabbath and Dr. Potts at a social reunion in the woods of a weekday evening, were two different persons. His address provoked bursts of laughter at every sentence. "'What was that he said about examinations which set everybody into a roar?' Mr. Masters asked when there was a moment's breathing space and a chance for another whisper. 
that fellow behind me had the ill grace just then to whisper to me to reach a singing book for him and i lost it all why said caroline he said he had an idea that chautauqua was such an alarmingly intellectual spot that for a long time he was afraid to come he thought that when he sat down at a hotel table and ordered his breakfast the waiter would say i cannot serve you sir unless you can show me a certificate that you passed a good examination in philosophy this morning then they had the laugh over again between themselves that is a hit at the eight o'clock lecture lessons on philosophy said mr masters but they are grand and for a man like me who is accustomed to beginning a day's work at six o'clock they are not too early but wasn't his closing sentence a grand one that is like dr potts i've heard him before heard him last summer at the thousand island park in the st lawrence it is characteristic of him that however witty and sparkling he may be and you see he can sparkle well he never forgets to put in a touch of the one great thing that is grand what was his closing sentence asked caroline i cannot recall it why that about the flags wait i copied it in shorthand and he read from his notebook and while you as americans rejoice in your flag of stars and stripes and while with a loyalty that knows no faltering i rejoice in the flag that has braved for more than a hundred years the battle in the breeze there is another flag better than england's flag better than america's flag and that is the banner of our lord jesus christ i remember said caroline her eyes shining with appreciation of the sentiment oh look well she might exclaim to one like her who had never seen it before the sight was simply glorious and to one who has never seen it at all the effect is indescribable yet the cause was simple enough a flutter of what looked like millions and millions of white handkerchiefs the chautauqua salute said mr masters composedly his eyes shining with satisfaction isn't it a singular scene a summer snowstorm down among the flowers and the grasses and the full-leaved forest trees said caroline look for whom it is an honor said mr masters chautauqua salutes the nations that sit in darkness through their representative ask of me and i will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance caroline looked and some way the tears that seemed so strangely near the surface to-night were ready to overflow again it was so wonderful and so good a sight to see ram chandra bose once a heathen now a cultured christian gentleman standing before that cultured audience bowing his thanks to their salutation and addressing them in smooth flowing english it needed his last sentence about there being but one place on earth better than chautauqua and that place lucknow india where he hoped to see the assembly convened next year to let some of his hearers down from their high pitch of excitement to the common ground of laughter and applause when the chautauqua salute to greet bishop warren was called for it fitted the call which dr vincent had made that it should be of the whitest purest intensest kind it looks as though ten million more handkerchiefs had been made and added since the last salute said caroline laughing and brushing the tears away with hers they were ready for him this time said mr masters he took them by surprise when he called before hark what is bishop warren saying oh it makes me think of the place where they all walk in white those were the words he said 
and Mr. Masters leaning forward to catch them, turned suddenly to Caroline and quoted the old proverb about great minds thinking alike. As the bishop proceeded to refer to the rain of the early morning, and to his fear that it would keep people at home, so that the unusual assembly crowd would be missed, Mr. Masters's significant look was too much for Caroline's gravity. But there was little opportunity for aside whispers during the address that followed. How grand it was! Almost every sentence in it rang with the spirit of religious fervor. Bishop Warren was something more than a bishop something more than an astronomer, something more than an eloquent speaker, something more than a preacher. He was an intense lover of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we have that, said he, speaking of the love of Christ shed abroad in the heart, then we shall have but one, and the blessed banner, whether English or American, the real stain of the blood of Christ. The actual color by which we conquer— this Chautauqua, if I understand it, simply means a glorification of love, so that it takes the ordinary workman in the ordinary range of life, and instead of leaving us to be busy-handed only, lifts us up into the highest thoughts, and lets us walk through the world, reading all that God's pen has ever written. I wonder how many hearts there were in that great audience to thrill in response to such a sentiment. Little Mrs. Fenton, wedged in among the crowding heads so that she could scarcely breathe, only by continual bobbing of her head being able to secure transient glimpses of the speaker, yet let pass at that moment a good opportunity for a full view of his face, and stretched her neck in the other direction to get a sympathetic nod and smile from young Robert's father. Busy-handed people they too were, with what reachings out after an uplifting that would enable them to keep their boy in sight, you will perhaps remember. And Chautauqua and the helps that were the outgrowth of the Chautauqua idea had come to them in their time of need, and would be remembered as no other help in the future ever could be, with a sort of tremulous tenderness as the hand that had been outheld to aid their first steppings, and then had beckoned them on. Mr. Masters shaded his eyes from the brilliancy of platform lights, and let his thoughts wander with his glances over the audience, in wonderment as to how many of them, like himself, represented the busy-handed people. Their faces told, earnest faces seemed with lines of care, hands hinting at daily toil, brows bent as those habituated to hard thought and harder action middle-aged men and women, many of them, whose faces at this moment, showing clear-cut in the weird electric light that made each line as distinct as if it were in sunlight, told how entirely their hearts said amen to the words of the speaker. Scholarly faces there were, too, plenty of them, whose eager eyes smiled assent to whatever Bishop Warren might say in honor of Chautauqua. But Mr. Masters did not care so much for them. It is only one of their many helps, he said to Caroline afterwards. Of course I am glad that they like it and appreciate it, but I don't feel so grateful in their behalf. They were well on the way to what they needed without Chautauqua, and I dare say they would have found their helps, all they needed perhaps, without it. But to us it is everything. Something of this feeling he had while sitting there, listening to every word that the bishop said, yet carrying on this train of thought and watching the ever-changing expressions in the sea of upturned faces before him. 
Suddenly he turned to Caroline. She was not looking at him, but at the speaker, her lips slightly parted, her cheeks aglow, her eyes bright with the light of appreciation. As he watched her, Mr. Masters became distinctly conscious that he was glad, oh, very glad indeed, that Chautauqua had been a help to Caroline Raynor. Meantime the eager, eloquent words were being poured forth. "'I rejoice,' said Bishop Warren, "'that we bring together at Chautauqua all things. One said to me, coming to Chautauqua for the first time, I don't like, in a Christian place, to see them teaching the Sunday-school lessons, and the old heathen god Mercury kicking up his heels on the point the first thing we see on our arrival. Why, said I, that is significant simply of the astronomy we study. Like him we ride through the heavens, and visit all the strange worlds, and we put Mercury just where it will be suggestive of our long flight when we are using the telescope. A wonderful meeting! These were the words in which Caroline was wont to characterize it in after months, and with that sentence she stopped. Who can describe such meetings? Could she put the wonderful play of light and shadow among those grand old trees into words? Could she describe the hundreds and hundreds of eager faces shining clear in that beautiful electric light? Could she repeat the ever-changing play of expression, and describe the telling gestures that had so much to do in fixing the thoughts of the different speakers on her mind? Several times she essayed to describe to those who had only heard of Chautauqua some of the glories of that first meeting, and realized by the well-bred stares which they bestowed on her, that her enthusiasm was unaccountable to them. After that she contented herself with the expression, It was a wonderful meeting." it closed in a blaze of glory. The most remarkable display of fireworks that ever delighted the eyes of thousands of children, to say nothing of the grown people, who, as Mrs. Fenton said, liked them just exactly as well, only they didn't want to own it. Among the wonders was a brilliantly illumined fountain, which blazed and glowed and shimmered, now with green, now with blue, and then with the loveliest blending of crimson and purple and gold. It was when they had ascended the hill, supposing the beauties of the evening were entirely over, that they turned for a last look, and saw displayed in letters of fire the word, Good night. Oh, good night, repeated Caroline, with a regretful little laugh. I hate to say it. I want this evening to go on and on. Fine things, said one man to another as they passed our friends. Yes, very, some capital speeches made there. That presentation one to Dr. Vincent was about as neat a thing as the bishop ever did. It wasn't any better than his reply, stoutly affirmed the other. Oh, no, of course not. The doctor always does a good thing. And the enthusiasm in the tone was so marked that the listeners laughed. I don't know about such a display of fireworks, continued the first speaker, never could understand why they want to bring such nonsense to Chautauqua. Great expense and parade, and nothing but smoke to show for it. Why don't they use the money to some better purpose? Wasn't it splendid? lisped a pretty young lady belonging to another party just at their left. Yes, indeed, I went to see the fireworks. Wouldn't have gone out at all tonight if I hadn't heard that there was going to be such a fine display. But I'm real glad I went. I liked the speeches, and one hymn they sang seems to keep singing itself over. 
and she hummed in undertone a strain of the Chautauqua hymn, When the evening shadows fall, rest God watcheth over all. It is a pity those two parties couldn't converse together, said Mr. Masters, laughing. Their remarks would answer each other. The young lady has advanced a good argument for the use of that which the man thought was nothing but smoke. It drew her out to-night, it seems, and no one knows how many more. And she, at least, has taken the melody of those grand words into her heart. Who shall say what they may do for her? And he hummed the strain, Hear thy Lord with heart of praise, I am with you all the days. Breaking off in the midst to say, we get according to our needs or moods or something, don't we? Now it isn't that hymn, nor yet the presentation speeches, which I take home to-night, but this sentence and the thoughts which hover around it. Chautauqua simply means a glorification of love, so that it takes the ordinary range of life, and instead of leaving it to the busy-handed only, lifts us up into the highest thoughts, and lets us walk through the world, reading all that God's pen has written." Now what is your inspiration? The real stain of the blood of Christ, the actual color by which we conquer, she answered in undertone. Amen, said Mr. Masters. End of chapter 23